All right, good morning. Um, this is where I have been instructed to say go dogs. Um, I mean, one, I'm, I'm going to say it. One of y'all's church members told me to do it. Uh, so I'm not going to say who it was because uh, that would be mean because we don't need them stoned after services are with. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. That was mean. I'm sorry. Uh, listen, I, I know the hate has grown for the kicker immensely uh, for, for the Buckeyes. Uh, and... and we may need to have a moment of silence for him, but uh, he, he's probably still being strung up somewhere. But um, I know Josh is, is extremely mad at him. Uh, Josh, uh, your, your uh, beloved Josh Irvin, he, uh, he, he, made, he made a bet with me over a stake. And it, it just so happens, me and him and, and uh, Brenton all went to eat this steak that, that I had won. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't have any idea, like, you know, what, what's, what's the worst that could happen? We ordered the special. Highest thing on the menu was like 40 bucks. We ordered the special. Specials are supposed to be cheaper. Uh, in Georgia, they are anyway. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's, let's just get this special. That sounds good. And uh, we'll just say it wasn't $40. Actually, it wasn't anywhere near $40. So, uh, so yeah, I got my money's worth out of the Georgia game. Man, I, 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 I want to say it, it, is, it is for real. It is an honor to be here. Uh, no joke. Um, God has used a living faith fellowship, the pastors in it, uh, specifically, uh, God has, has used Mark Trotter in my life. Um, I, I've been pastoring about nine years, uh, but I actually probably only started pastoring. I started, I restarted about five years ago. And he said, how do you, how do you restart? Well, I tried to quit, actually. Uh, I, I, I can remember going to Mark, and uh, you say, how, how does that happen? Well, you you may not know it, but there's a whole other world out there that actually uh, has church, but they don't preach the Bible. And, um, and, and they're Baptists, and they tote King James Bibles, and, and uh, they hate everybody, and they hate about everything you're doing here today. Um, and uh, I, I told Mark, I'm like, man, I, I don't really know anything. Like, I might ought to start up. I might, I might ought to resign. He's like, you're not resigning. You're not going to do that. We're, we're going to just teach you. And uh, so I, I want to say, for real, God's using your pastors to do some unbelievable things in, in other men's life across the country. Like, like for real. I, I, you, you, you may think, like, these fellowships or whatever. This, listen, the one you put on, guys, it is totally worth it. Uh, my, I, got, I got girls that come to the Certainty Conference a few years. My, my own kids. I got five kids. I got three girls and, and two boys. My oldest girl was 17, and, uh, and, and they came to the Certainty Conference with me uh, years ago when it was on the King James Bible, and, and you know, I still to this day, we talk about that Certainty Conference with a couple of 17-year-old girls that, that, that remembered that from all them years ago, and that was a big deal to them, and so I, I want to say, man, I, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't quit. Just keep plowing on, man. Just, just keep serving the Lord. Keep giving. Keep, hey, trust the Lord for hungry, for the $100,000 for hungry. Man, it, it will make a difference in somebody's life. Uh, we're, we're so busy changing, trying to change the world. I think, I think sometimes you just got to worry about changing somebody's world. And that's what, that's what this place has been for me. And so I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I enjoyed yesterday. I had a great time. I love telling my story. Uh, one, because it's mine. And, and two, it's a, it's a little bit crazy. Um, it can get wilder if you want to talk. Like it, there's there's all kinds of there's all kinds of things we can talk about. Um, yeah, it, it, I told uh, some more about my whole life story, and and it's weird. It's almost unbelievable. Like it's, but I've got all these, I've got all these really weird stories, and somehow I'm here. I'm in I'm in New Philadelphia, Ohio. So who who knows who knows what's gonna happen this morning? So we'll we'll see. I promise you, we'll try to have a good time though. So. Uh, 
Take your Bible and uh, go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, guys, I, I think uh, the first verse is chapter 16, but, but if you could go to 1820. 1820s is where we'll start at. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a phenomenon uh, that goes on in the town where I live at. Every Friday night, every Friday night, there is a, there is a group that goes to uh, every single Friday night. There is a group of people, the same group of people, uh, they go to the same Mexican restaurant every single Friday night. Like, it never fails. If you want to go see a specific person every single Friday night, the same families in, in I live in a place called Rockmart, Georgia, and uh, the, the same people go to the same Mexican joints every single Friday night. There's another group. We, we've got a place right down the road on Friday nights that people go. It's called the Pizza Farm. And so every Friday night, if you want to go see, they're, they're usually a little bit older. But if you want to go see the old folks, you go to the Pizza Farm. If you want to go see you know, somebody a little younger, you go to the Mexican joint. And then there's us. There's me and my wife. We're that other group. Uh, we're, we're the other group that, that can't make a decision to save their life <laughs> on where they're going to eat. Like, I, I, I like going to the Mexican joint. I like going to the pizza farm. But my wife, she, it, it was so bad is we, we wait till we get in the car to try to figure out where we're going to eat. And she don't care, but deep down I know she cares way more than I do. Like, I'm going to eat wherever we go. You can look at me and tell, I'm going to eat wherever we go. Like, there's something on the menu for big dudes. Like, it just don't matter. Like, I'm going to eat wherever we go. But I know that, that this, little, this little woman has conjured up this thing in her mind where she really wants to go, but, but for whatever reason, she don't want to tell me. Maybe she just wants to put tor torment me. You've been with me almost 20 years. You, you should figure that you should read my mind by now. I, I don't know what it is. She kind of thinks it's funny. I, I don't. I'm really, I'm in disarray. We're on the way. I'm like, all right, so where are we going? I, I don't know. I thought you knew. I, like, I don't care. Like, I'll stay home. Like, it, there's, there's a freezer full of meat. We'll do, we'll do that. No, we're going to go eat somewhere. Where are we going? I, I, I don't know. You pick. What? I don't, I don't want to pick. Last time I picked, you didn't like where I picked. And, and so it, it's, it's this weird thing. And you know why you're laughing? It probably happens here too. It's probably the same exact thing all over the country. Every, every woman's like, I don't care where we go. But deep down, you really care. You're a liar. <laughs> you're, you're a liar. You've been put on this earth to torment us. You know, indecision, it affects all of us, whether it's going to the same place on Friday night or not. Deciding that we're, we're going to go eat, deciding where we're going to go eat. It, it, indecision is a, is, a, is a big area of life that, that, that can really affect our lives. Some of us, indecision affects our lives in a lot of areas. It ain't just where we're going to eat. Indecision affects us in such ways that... that it really handicaps us. Like it keeps us from making decisions in everyday life. Like indecision about not just where we're going to eat, but indecision about anything. You know, it's, it's weird. Uh, we, we've got so many choices, we can't make decisions. How many of you ever been to a restaurant where there's like a hundred choices on the menu? You're like, give me five. Just give me five. Like, I don't need a big menu, one side will work. Like, just be good at the things that's on the one side. You see, we, we get so many choices that, that we, we handicap ourselves because the indecision comes to our mind and, and we don't know which way to go and really we're weighing out the options of what's best going to suit us, what's going to be in our best interest, what's going to be the best thing for us to do. But you know, there's one thing indecision has to be killed on. There's one area of life that indecision needs to be killed on. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to come to a place where it finally comes to a head and you say, you know what, I'm not going to be indecisive anymore. I'm not going to reel in indecision. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to make the choice and I'm going to make it clear. What area is that? Whether to serve God or not. 
Whether I'm going to really serve God with my whole heart, whether I'm really going to sell out, whether I'm really going to, I'm, I, I'm going to burn the plows and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to burn the boats and I'm going to follow Jesus. I, indecision must be killed in this area. If not, you'll live a life of, of an unquenchable thirst. You'll live a life where you got one foot in and one foot, one foot out. You'll live a life to where you're on the fence. You're, sometimes you're, you're not a really good saint. You're, you're not even a really good sinner. Like the people down at the bar, they don't like you. And, and just because you got enough in you that, you're, you know, everybody knows that you're kind of weird. And then the people at church, you just frustrate them really bad. Like, man, I just wish they'd get all in. You see, indecision is, is a handicap. You know, I read 1 Kings chapter 18, and, and I, I see a group of people that are extremely indecisive. Extremely indecisive about what they're going to do and where they're going to go. I want you to read with me in 1 Kings 18 and verse 20. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now here it is, you ready? And the people answered him. Not a word. And the people answered him, not a word. Now let me give you just a, 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 a brief background of what go, what's going on. Elijah's God's man. He's God's prophet speaking on God's behalf. And he's proclaimed that there would be a drought in the land. That God would shut up the heavens, and not just for any reason that God would shut up the heavens, but because Israel is in such idolatry and rebellion to God's word, God already promised that he was going to shut the heavens up. And so what happens? God does exactly what he promised. And, and you can see that you can see exactly how wicked of a king they have, and then how wicked of a king's wife they have. Ahab is anything but godly. He's anything but God-fearing. He's, he's rather, he does everything he, he can do to provoke the Lord. 1 Kings 16 and verse 29 says, In the 38th year of Asa, the king of Judah, but began Ahab, the son of Amri, uh, to reign over Israel. And, and Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and 2 years. And Ahab, the, uh, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. I mean wicked. And it came to pass as, uh, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took a wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. That's a lot of wickedness. Ahab's a wicked man, and he's got a wicked bride. She's been raised uh, by Ethbel, which, which his very name means with Baal. And, and now, as deep as the wickedness went, she would plunge Ahab even deeper. She would take Ahab and, and, and push him off the cliff. So what happens? God sends the people... God sends Elijah to the people, now not just for any reason, but to, to help bring them to repentance. God's man is there to help bring them to repentance. Well, cutting off the water supply don't sound like help. But it's funny with God. The disciplinary act of cutting off the water was actually an act of mercy, giving them a space to repent. It was there to show them, I, I am the Lord God. I'm giving you this space to repent. Do you know that, you, you, do you understand that, that most times God's more willing to give us mercy than we are to repent? God, God is more willing to give us this mercy than we are to actually repent. That's what it was. That's what the three and a half years was. It was to show them, hey, man, repent. And what would they do? They drove themselves deeper into depravity. In other words, God, God says because of your rebellion, it ain't going to rain for, for some three years. And, 
And this is going to cripple the nation. Not, not, just, not just financially, it's going to cripple them physically. There's not going to be any water. I mean, can you imagine? No water for three, over three years. A look at 1 Kings chapter 17, and verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God liveth, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I send, there shall not be dew nor rain these three years, but according to my word. Now, now, now th- this whole time period where it hasn't rained, in chapter number 17, God sends Elijah to, to the brook Cherith, and, and there God takes care of him. Until that brook dries up, he goes to Zarephath. And there, you know, the, the woman feeds him there at Zarephath, and the barrel doesn't run dry, nor the crucible, it doesn't fill him. And so God supernaturally is taking care of Elijah, while at the same time he's pronouncing judgment to try to, get this, try to bring this, this nation to repentance. And so here we are in 1 Kings chapter 18, and it, it, and it came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go and show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So he goes, and he, he shows himself to Ahab. But Ahab doesn't accept uh, that, that, that God is trying to work. Ahab just won't accept it. He's wicked, his heart's hard. And so, so, so what happens? We've got this big showdown that takes place. This big showdown on Mount Carmel where, where Elijah demonstrates God's power and God's, God's, how big God is and, and how strong God is. Elijah is there, there to demonstrate that. And so 1 Kings 18, 20 and 21 is, is all about Elijah. Before this big demonstration happens, he comes to the people and he says, here it is. Here's what we need to do. If, if, if the Lord be God, then follow him. But, but if Baal, then follow him. I want to say to you this morning, there's a common theme wrapped up in, in the Bible in terms of discipleship. And it's, it's wrapped up in man's ability to say yes to God and a hard no to the world. Discipleship is wrapped up in, in man's ability to, to continually say yes to God and no to the world. This is where Elijah's at with the people. How long are you going to halt between these two opinions? How, how, long, how long are you going to be here? We're not, you're not really fully committed to either side. You're, you're undecided in who you're going to follow. How long are you going to do that, though? How long are you going to play the game? How, how long? How long are you going to? Are you going to, are you going to say, I, I'm going to serve God today and then I'm going to serve Baal tomorrow? I'm going to serve God today, I'm going to serve the world tomorrow. You see, what, what we have at, at the very core is a group of people who are undecided. You ready? Who are undecided about who they're going to worship. There's a group of people and they're undecided about who they're going to worship. And, and did you know that's really, uh, that's really the core of all of our life issues? All of them. That's like brass tacks core of all of our life issues. Who are we going to worship? Or, or rather this, who have we deemed worthy to be worshipped? Like all of them. Like, like it, it's been said, I, I, I've heard it said, we, we don't have marriage problems, we have worship problems. We don't, we, don't, we don't have relationship problems, we have worship problems. I don't, I don't have problems giving my money, I have a worship problem. I don't have problems uh, reading the Bible. I I have a worship problem. I I don't have problems giving my time to the Lord. Why? Well, because I've deemed that my time is more valuable than than for me than it would be for the Lord. And so what I've done is I've I've decided who's worthy to be worshipped. Now it's Exodus. He he says, thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And they go a-whoring after, after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods and, and, call, and, and one call thee and thou eat of his sacrifice and, and thou take their daughters unto thy sons and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods and make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. Man, I, I want you to get this this morning. The reason God takes such a hard line on idolatry and the worship of other gods 
is, is because it takes you and me and it causes us to, to go a whoring. It takes our sons and our daughters and it causes them. You ever heard the old statement, what you do in moderation your children do in excess? What, what, what God uses such hard language about who we've deemed to give glory to. He said, when we don't give glory to the proper one that glory is deserving of, that we cause our homes and we cause our daughters and we cause our sons and we cause our own selves. What is it? it, it it's harsh to go a whoring. Man, in, in our day and time, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there, ain't no, there, there wouldn't be nothing worse than for my wife to, to do that to me. And God says, you know what, that's, that's what you do to me. When we worship something else, we're, we're saying it's worthy to be worshipped. It's worthy to be glorified. And, and God says that, that that person that does that thing has an unbridled lust so deep within them that they can't control their desires to be filthy with these idols. See, it may not be a golden calf at the foot of the mountain. But friend, make no mistake about it. There's some of us in this room that struggle with idol worship. But if God, if God be God, then follow Him. So I want to ask you a question. Has, has God proven Himself to be faithful yet or not? Has God proven Himself to be faithful? Has God proven Himself to you that He is faithful to you? Because what we're... Now, now I, man, this one hit me hard. What we worship is what we're saying really satisfies us. So does Jesus Christ satisfy you or not? What we worship is, is what we say satisfies us. I got some old buddies... Uh, I got some old buddies and, and some old boys in our church. And, and you know, hunting season comes around, and, and it, it, I don't know how it goes here, but Georgia hunting's a big deal. And, and you know, they, they, get all spirit, they get more spiritual during hunting season than they do any other time of the year. Like, it's the craziest thing. The only time of the year they really talk to God, evidently, is in a tree stand. Well, preacher, you just don't know how it is just sitting up in that tree and looking at God's creation. And I'm just communing with the Lord. I say, you just got done praying that the biggest buck of your life walks out. You didn't commune with the Lord. Shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I got my Bible and I'm opening my Bible. What happened to that like the other nine months out of the year? You just got spiritual all of a sudden when you got in the tree stand? When you, when, you, when you got to the place to where... No, no, what happened is he deemed that thing to satisfy him more than, than Christ. He deemed that thing to be more satisfactory to him than he did being a part of the body of Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong with going deer hunting. Anybody stones me with many stones. There's nothing wrong with one deer hunting. I, I, I'm saying when, when you, you know what it is when it's worship. You know what it is when it's idolatry. You know what it is in your life that is idolatry. And nobody's got to tell you. There's a few things in the story that, that I believe uh, connects people to idol worship. One, I, I think worship of other gods is connected to what's popular. Worship of other gods is connected to what's popular. That this, here, this is a religion that operates under the desire to fit in and be like everybody else. You know, not like the weirdos at First Baptist Church, New Philly. You know, them Bible thumping. You know, they always got Bible classes going on. They're always saying, you know, something about discipleship. They're always saying, hey, you need to be here. They're always talking about LFBI. They're always talking about giving $100,000. You know? <laughs> They're always talking about, oh, we're going on a mission trip here. We're going on a mission trip there. And, and, and really, idol worship is connected to what's popular. Why? Because it, it's, it's the desire to fit in. Ahab and Jezebel were leading the way. And get this, everybody fell in line. 
Nobody bucked him. Nobody stood up to him. Well, you know how it is, man. You know, I go, I go to public school. That public school, you, you, can't, you can't buck the system there. They'll, they'll jump on you. And you got to be careful. You really do. And look, I'm, I'm not trying to get you beat up. God forbid, I don't want you beat up. I'm saying the desire to fit in is, is actually out of worship. Nobody likes to be all weird and stuff. People will go with the flow just, just to get along. Everybody's talking trash. and You know, I'm, 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 I know you can't tell this, uh, but I'm the guy that, you know, I'll just stir the pot. So I'm always looking. I'm always earshotting around and somebody's talking junk. I'm like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I, 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 feel like some, I feel like something's going on. It needs to be said. I know that's probably hard for you to believe. Uh, uh, Mark, Mark actually tried to tone that down the best he could. He's like, yeah, man, it may not be the best thing to do. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark sat me down one day. He said, have, have you ever heard of emotional intelligence? I said, I don't guess you have. And he said, I, I figured. I said, what is emotional intelligence? He said, I, it, we'll have to save it for later. <laughs> Nobody likes to just, uh, most people don't like to just cause the ripple in the water. Don't like to be the one. But I want to ask you, I want, I want, I want you to understand, you, you can't serve Jesus and love the world at the same time. You just can't do it. There's no way it's possible. The judgment seat only has one person sitting at it. And it ain't you. You can't love the world and, the, and, and God at the same time. It just, it just ain't there. Worship of other gods is connected to what's acceptable. It's connected to what's acceptable. It's a, it's a religion that lets you do whatever you want to. It's a re religion that lets you build a grove and, and act wicked and, and, and be sinful and uh, obey the desires of your own flesh and, and its lust. That, that's, that's what they were doing. They, they, they were, they were, they, the, the, this worship, idol worship, was connected to what was acceptable at this time. I mean, we had Ahab who was wicked, and now, now we've, we've, got, we've got Jezebel who just takes it over the top. And everybody's just, let's do it. You see, if you want to serve the, the false gods, the, the, the idols of this world, you can serve as many as you want to because it's acceptable. You, you can, you, and, and I'm not, this is going to, it's funny, but it's not funny. You can be, you can be a transgender furry. And make up whatever kind of, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's an interesting thing. And you can make up whatever kind of creature that you are. And, and, and everybody's fine with it. Nobody being bats and eyes. Oh, well, well, that's cool. That, that, man, that's, that, that's, that's nice. That's something to be proud of. Mom, yeah, that's something. We're going to put that in your yearbook at the end of the year. It's, it's a funny thing, but you know what? You say Jesus Christ is the only way? Well, what? that's offensive. They're telling me I can't get to heaven. Either. I'm telling you, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Oh, that, that's offensive. Well, I'm, I'm you know, that's, that's what the Bible says. You see, our biggest idol sometimes is ourselves and we, in our ability to please ourselves. Our ability to not be the weirdo in the group. The ability to, to, to not go against the drain. Then I've then I, I seen that worship of other gods was connected to what's influential. Uh, what's influential? Let me, let me explain this. 1 Corinthians 10 and, and verse 18, uh, Paul says it like this. And just kind of gives commentary in on this. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, uh, sacrifices partakers of the altar. What say I then that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the thing 
things which the Gentiles sacrifice. They sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. So, so here it is. You ready? They are, Paul says that an idol is no thing. Bell ain't really bell. It's actually fake. It actually isn't a real thing. But so, so what, are, what are they sacrificed to? What are they worship? What, what are we worshiping when we worship idols? Well, Paul says it like this. You're sacrificing the devils. You're actually worshiping and laying your life down at the, the altar of demonic influence. Worship is whatever... You deem to be worthy of glory. Whatever you deem to be worthy of worship. Whatever you deem to be worthy of sacrifice. And when you sacrifice to idols, we're offering ourselves to be connected to a satanic power through our idol, through our idol worship. They weren't they sacrificing to Baal. No, no, no. And we aren't either. You see, Satan will use a job. That you worship. Satan will use a, a boyfriend. Satan will use a girlfriend. Satan will use sports. Satan will use boats. He'll use hunting. He'll use fishing. He'll use any of your hobbies that he can use. There's all the ones I know. There's, there's lots more. <laughs> the only ones I really have anything to do with. He'll, 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 use, he'll use that. He'll use that to not tie you to those things. It's not the job that you're tied to. It's, it's, it's the worship. It's the worship of the idol. What, what's, what is the idol? It's the job. Is it, is, it, is it the idol? Or is it actually Satan taking me and through this satanic influence, through this, through this satanic pull causing me to deem a $100 bill, more worthy of praise than Jesus Christ. Satan will draw you away with a satanic seduction. It has a satanic influence. And that's why we always say in the discipleship, it's about who you serve. It's about who you're willing to serve. You know, it was Joshua. He stood up and said, it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Whether God your father served on the other side of the flood or whether or, or uh, that were on the side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, you have the freedom to choose who you will serve, but you can't serve both. Joshua gave them a choice. Serve the Lord, serve the God of the Amorites when you're on the other side of the flood, or, 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 or uh, serve the gods of your father served on the other side of the flood, or serve the God of the Amorites whose land you're living in. So pick which one you're going to do it, but just do it. It's funny, you ever, you ever think about why money's got such a stronghold on people? Because it's deemed more worthy of praise, honor, and glory than God. It's deemed more worthy of praise, honor, and glory than God. And that's why he says in Matthew 6 that no man can serve two masters. He's either going to hate the one and, and love the other, or else he'll hold the one and despise the other. And man, that's why we can't serve God and mammon, right? That's why we can't serve God and money. Most people, though, they live their life trying to prove. Not, not you people. You wouldn't do that. I know you wouldn't do that. This is a great church full of great people. And look, I know you wouldn't do that. But here's what most people, most Laodiceans, you know what they're doing? They spend their time trying to prove God wrong. They spend their time trying to prove to God that they can love money and they can love all the things that money can buy. And love God at the same time. They spend their whole life. And you know what happens? They get the judgment seat. And man, they're like, dude, I, I, I did all. Yeah. You know what? It, it ain't what they thought it was going to be. For the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to look at three things that I've seen in the text that I thought. And they'll go quick. I'm going to give you a couple. But they'll go quick. That I thought... Uh, that I thought maybe we could see about this group of undecided followers. Undecided followers. Number one, they are afflicted with a real problem. They're afflicted with a real problem. How long halt you between two opinions? 
Now, I'm real simple. I'm sure that's hard to tell, but I'm extremely simple. I I was born a a simple man. Um, God called me, and I, you know, I'm not real. I'm just going to give you what the Bible says and what God's given me. They're afflicted with a real problem. Their problem is they're halted between two opinions. They're halted between two opinions. What, what, what this word halted means to, to, to hesitate or, or to doubt whether to proceed. They're halted between these two opinions. They're, they're not going to one side or the other. It's almost like their halted state has handicapped them. Remember, this, is, this thing is handicapped where they're going. It's almost like they're, they're crippled by the idea uh, of being halted or hesitant to act either way it goes. You know, you know who you don't want to go into battle with you? You don't want somebody that's hesitant to pull the trigger. You don't want somebody that's hesitant to act on your behalf. And so that's why you, that, that's why to, 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 you got to have good soldiers of Jesus Christ that are willing to fight the good fight of faith with you. And those that are halted, they're, they're not good soldiers. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, A half-committed Christian is the most miserable person on earth. He is just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God, and he's just enough, uh, he's just enough into God to be miserable in the world. James says it like this, that a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. Not some of his ways, not a few of his ways, not in his checkbook, not in his home life, in all of them. That this double-minded man, this man with two minds, he's unstable in every area of life. Not just one. Not just two, not just a couple, the ones that, well, I got this one under control. No, friend, I want you to understand. God says that that man is unstable in all of his ways. Yeah, I can testify to that. The, the moment that you think you've got the bull by the horns in some areas is the moment God shows you, no, no, you're, no you're, you're, missing the whole, you're missing the whole thing. You're unstable in all of your ways. You see, indecisiveness proves, uh, produces a handicap. Half-hearted, half-committed Christians is, is, is why we're in the shape we're in. Amen? Why the country's in the shape it's in. It's full of crippled people. Just, they're just limping around. They're limping around and, and, you know, they're not all in for the world and they're not all in for Jesus. Jeff said it this morning. There, there'll be people that start this 9 a.m. training hour and, 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 and they're all gung-ho. We're getting through the Bible. I know I've done three books this morning. We're getting through the Bible in a year and this is great and this is wonderful and, man, ain't this good and, 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 and it's huge for them. And, man, what a big deal. It's like it was when discipleship started at our church. Man, discipleship, when it started, oh, dude, everybody was on board. Everybody was gung-ho. Everybody, let's do this. And, 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 and it was a huge thing. And then somewhere in the whole thing, well, it wasn't a big deal no more. Why? Because it caused you to come off the fence. Caused you to come off the fence and lay down your life and say, I'm following Jesus Christ with everything I got. Number two, number two, their obscure choice. Their obscure choice. Elijah came into the people and said, How long are you between two opinions? If, God be, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if, if Baal, then follow him. And, and here it is. And the people answered him, Not a word. It's obscure because they wouldn't say anything. But by them not saying anything, they were, it was actually loud enough to say something. By them not saying a word, it was actually a pretty big... Pretty big vocal comment. You see, indecision is actually admission. Their indecision was admission. They, they didn't stand up and say, hey, we're going with Bell, or hey, we're going with God. But what they do? They, no, they, their silence, here, here it is, you ready? I say this to my kids all the time. Their silence was consent. Their silence was was consent. They, the, those that, that will not sell out to being a disciple of Jesus Christ and, 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 and will, will answer not a word said all that needs to be said. 
So why would you come and preach this today? Your first time should have been a lot sweeter. You're probably right. I'm really, I'm really bad at this whole thing. But I want to say this. I feel like we've got good at being indecisive. I feel like we've become professional, professionals at, at being silent. And silence is consent. Let me give you the last one. Their casual assumption. Their casual assumption. Elijah said unto the people, Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? Elijah now addresses, he's addressing the length of time that they're going to be halted between these two opinions. See, the assumption here is it's okay to live undecided. It's okay to live in indecision with a mentality. You ready? That I don't have to make a decision now. Friend, I want you to understand, hell is full of people that thought they had time to make a decision. Hell is full of people that heard a gospel message from this pulpit and knew they needed Jesus Christ, knew that their sin had separated them from God, but yet they walked out. Hell will be, hell will be littered with people just like that. Why? Well, I got time. Man, I got, look, I, 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 you know, all them people, I, you know, I, I got time to do it. I'll, I'll do it later. And you know what happens? They get in their car and they drive home and they talk their self out of it. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm really, man, I was just emotional. I was just all that's all it was. I was just emotional. I, you know, I, you know I, I, everything's going to be fine. I'll, I'll go next Sunday and I'll do it. I, I'll go next Sunday. I, well, I'm gonna, I, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to text my friend and say, man, listen, we, we need to talk after church. You know what? That text that they write out, that never, it never gets sent. They never go back to church and and, 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 and the next time that they do go, and, and God does that again, they say, oh, listen, I'm going to be fine. You say, I, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm really not. I, I'm telling you, I think if God would lift the lid off of hell for about 30 seconds, things could change in our life drastically. You say, you're one of them preachers. Well, Luke 16 was one of them chapters. Luke 16 records a, a, a man that was so in such torment that he asked for just a drop. He didn't ask for glass. He asked for a drop. Just a drop. All I want is a drop. I just need a drop. And, 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 and you know what? I, after that drop, here's what he says. Can send somebody back to tell my five brethren not to come to this place of torment. What does he say? They've got the book, man. We've got the law and the prophets. I got the book. They don't, they don't need you to go back from the dead. Listen, this morning you're, you're hearing the word of God. Listen, you don't have time. You're in here and you're lost. You don't have time. Life is a vapor. It appears for a little while, then it what? It vanisheth away. You're here for a moment in time and you're gone. You don't have time to mess around. You don't have time to gamble whether or not you're going to make it. You say, oh, you're using a fear. No, I'm not. I'm using the Bible. I'm trying to tell you that the Bible has told us that our life is as a vapor and it's here for just, we're a blip on the radar, man. When I was it King Agrippa? He said, almost persuadest thou to me, persuadest thou me to be a Christian? Almost. I'm almost there, Paul. Paul, I'm almost there. Are you almost there? Are you all the way? You see, King Agrippa's, his indecisiveness, guess what? It kept him from coming to Jesus Christ. Almost, Paul. You almost convinced me that God was worth serving. 
You almost, when you preach that gospel, you almost convince me. I think about the judgment seat. Those of us in this room that saved, that almost laid their life down for Jesus. They got in by the skin of their teeth and they're going to come out smelling like an ashtray. When they didn't have to. Almost. Almost made something at the judgment seat. Almost made something in my life. But my indecisiveness kept me from actually serving Jesus Christ. Kids, teenagers in this room, I want you to... I don't ever want you to disobey your parents, but I do want you to hear this. Make up your mind you don't care what your family does. Just make it up that you don't care what your family does, but you're going to serve the Lord. If your parents bail on Jesus, just just go ahead. Etch it in stone this morning. If my parents decide that they're going to bail on Jesus Christ, guess what? I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to call somebody's parents to come bring me to church. I'm going to figure out a way to get here. Guess what? Just make the decision this morning. I'm serving Jesus. My parents, they may get tired of doing this thing, but guess guess what? You've got your whole life ahead of you. This morning, decide that indecisiveness won't keep you from from being profitable at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at Elijah's heart for the people. Verse 37 says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Look at his heart. That this people may know that thou art God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Let me give you one more thing and, 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 and I'm going I'm to I'm sit down. Verse 38, he says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and all the people saw it and they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now, now I want you to see what the fire fell on that day. The fire fell on the sacrifice. But you know who the fire should have fell on? The fire should have fell on those that was halting between two opinions. Two opinions. The fire should have fell on those that knew better. You, you know what happened at Calvary? The fire fell on the sacrifice when it should have fell on us. The fire fell on the sacrifice when it should have fell on us. What more do you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ completely? What more do you need? Man, I, I, I think about the two malefactors hanging on each side of Jesus in Luke. They're railing on Jesus. One of them's railing on Jesus. Man, save us. Save yourself. The other one bucks up and he sees who Jesus is. And in his heart, he recognizes who he is. You see, he he started. What's crazy is he started the same railing and the same accusations. And his heart was turned in that whole process while he was on the cross. And he immediately went from railing to rebuking the one that was beside him. And he says, man, look, we deserve this. We indeed justly deserve the reward that we're getting right now. But this dude, dude, he's done nothing. And he asks, he says, hey, Lord, can can you remember me when you come into your kingdom? What more do you need? You see, you, you, you do, me, me and you, we, we, des- we deserve whatever we get. But the fire didn't fall on you. Why? Because Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. And the love of God was manifest Through that cross for you and me, what else do we need? How long are we going to be halt between these two opinions? To my parents in the room, how long are you going to let your children see your indecisiveness is actually an admission that you aren't totally committed to Jesus Christ? 
How long are you going to assume that you have time to be halt between these two opinions? This morning, God's given you the ability to make the choice. God be God. If the Lord be God, then serve Him. If Baal, then serve Him. If Jesus would accept you just like you are, would you come? Because I got news for you. He will. 24 years old, looking at divorce, bankrupt. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You won't rest. You want peace? Lay down your indecisiveness this morning and get decided that Jesus is the only place that you can find satisfaction and come to him. Father, I love you. And Lord, I'm, I'm grateful. Lord, one, I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, that you give me to, to preach. And, and uh, Lord, I, I'm, I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful that you made a way when there, there was no way for somebody like me. God, you called me from darkness to life. And God, you've called many in here from darkness to life. For the ones that, that live in darkness in this room, God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you, through the supernatural process of your Holy Spirit, drawing them and showing them that that cross is there for them. Lord, I, I pray that you bring them to a place of repentance. And they'll humbly, they'll humbly bow before you. Lord, for the saved in this room, God, I, I pray, Lord, with my whole heart that there is somebody in this room, Lord, maybe a teenager, maybe a young person, maybe a college-age person, uh, that, that, that will decide to come off of the fence, that will decide to come off of being halted between these two opinions. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.